Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook, and you can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 108 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. Hey, remember how liberals always used to talk about the need for a national conversation about race? Whatever happened to that? The answer is coming up. But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. And yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. If you would like to support my campaign for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas, go to my website, electdocwashburn.com. And I'm going to be all over the place here the next few days. Yeah, let me uh, me grab the uh, the calendar uh, while we're at it and let you know where I'm going to be. Uh, Because people ask all the time, what's the schedule? What's coming up? What's going on? Okay, let's see. Uh, This Saturday... I'm scheduled to be at the uh, John Quill Festival at the historic Washington State Park all day long, 9 to 5, this Saturday. Uh, Friday, we have a meet and greet, campaign meet and greet, at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn in Jonesboro from 2 to 3.30. Before that, we have a uh, live radio interview at KLEKFM, a radio station in Jonesboro. Uh, that serves, uh, well, primarily targets the black community in Jonesboro. Looking forward to that, 1 to 1.30, Friday the 18th. Coming up Thursday evening, I'm going to be at the Faulkner County Conservatives Freedom Rally, 5 o'clock Thursday, Larry's Pizza in Conway. Uh, Let's see, what else we got coming? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So tomorrow... Tomorrow, to start the show, we're going to be talking to a couple of gentlemen, Al Martin and Dayton Myers, who are behind the push for a 28th Amendment that would allow American voters to recall the president and vice president simultaneously. The thinking is we're not going to be able to get to January 2025 under this current regime. They are obviously intentionally trying to destroy this country. Uh, so we'll see what they have to say about that to, uh, tomorrow at, at 11 a.m. Central. So let's see. Oh, okay. New York Times. Got an article here. And this has something to do with uh, my question. Whatever happened to the liberals who were saying we've got to have a national conversation about race? See, most of us were like, well, no, we really don't because why don't we just get beyond that? You know? Why don't we just judge people by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin? Why not do that? But the liberals were like, oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. We've uh, we got to... You're saying the same liberals who several generations ago, were all behind segregation. No, we've got to see people as 
members of ethnic groups instead of as individuals, which, which in and of itself is racist. If you refuse to see people as individuals, if you insist on seeing people as members of groups based on their ethnicity, or you're a racist. Anyway, oddly enough, we don't hear much about that anymore. And perhaps one of the reasons is the prevalence of crime like the one being reported today out of New York City. Asian woman punched 125 times, kicked seven times in assault that led to attempted murder as a hate crime charge. Hate crime charge. As a hate crime charges? That's just a difficult headline to read. See, what, and this is CBS News, because New York Times said, hey, you're out of free articles. So, what what the article doesn't mention is the prevalence in large metropolitan areas of Asians being attacked by black people. See, because the liberal media... Again, this ties in directly with critical race theory. They want black folks to think that uh, they are victims and most other folks are oppressors. So we see a crime like this. It goes against the narrative. Anyway, let's see what CBS News says here. Um, Dateline Yonkers, New York, which is a northern New York City suburb. CBS News reporting, a woman from the Philippines is recovering from a vicious anti-Asian attack in Yonkers. The suspect is charged with attempted murder as a hate crime and has a long criminal history. The assault happened on March 11th. Surveillance video of their apartment building's lobby shows a man authorities identified as 42-year-old Tamel Esco assaulting his 67-year-old neighbor. The suspect threw 125 punches, kicked her viciously seven times, then spat on her twice and used anti-Asian slurs. A witness told CBS New York that Tamel Esco walked outside and screamed incoherently at passersby after the assault. Police arrived quickly and took him into custody. Yonkers, New York Police Commissioner John Mueller said, we're going to file this as a hate crime and we're charging attempted murder based on the number of strikes and the length of the attack. Police said the victim has severe injuries and faces a long road to recovery. Esco is being held without bail. Being held without bail in New York? I didn't, I didn't know that was possible anymore. See, that's another thing. The liberals... A lot of them are against bail. They don't like violent criminals being held in jail. They, they want them out to be able to attack people again as quickly as possible. Anyway, Yonkers, New York Police Commissioner John Mueller said that um, this guy, Timel Esco, has 14 arrests and multiple convictions on his record. In February 2021, Esco pushed a woman through a plate glass window Since she wasn't seriously hurt, Esco was given conditional discharge and no jail time. See? That's the problem when Democrats run things. CBS New York learned that Esco entered a five-month inpatient program for substance abuse. After his arrest last year, he had previously served 42 months in prison for stabbing in the year 2010. See, um, I think he probably should have been put away for life for that. Anyway, um, for that matter... For that matter, you know, we have hate crimes legislation in most of the United States. They want to make the punishment worse, no matter how violent you were. If um, 
you're one ethnicity and you attack somebody of another ethnicity. You know, they don't give you they don't give you a hate crime if you're black and you murder another black person. You know? But if you're one color and you viciously, violently attack somebody of another color, whether they live or not, that's a hate crime. So since his attempted murder, since he tried to murder the woman, why not just give him the death penalty? Because that, that was what it was in his heart. That's what it was in his mind. I want to kill this person because she's Asian. Why not just go ahead and give him the death penalty? Anyway, um, CBS News says, the attack has frightened other Asians in the neighborhood. Olivia Solano, one of the victim's neighbors, said, I came home 9 o'clock. I have to be always watching whoever's there, you know. Wendy Trinidad reacted with horror to surveillance video of the hate crime committed in the lobby of her building. She said, I'm in shock. I know nowadays a lot of mental issues, but that is just unbelievable. The victim is well-liked by neighbors. Skin Shabak said, she's very, very nice. Two daughters, her husband passed. He was a mailman, I remember that. So, of course, the overwhelming majority of black folks in the United States are not violent. And yet... The overwhelming majority of violent crimes perpetrated on Asian folks in the United States are committed by black folks. Now, why is that? I don't know. You, you, don't, you don't hear too many stories in the media about Asian folks attacking black folks, but you sure do hear it the other way around. Why is that? I don't know. So if y'all liberals want to have a national conversation on race, start with that. Because the national conversation with race y'all were calling for for years and years and years always elicited a response from me of, okay, here's your national conversation on race. Why are y'all so uh, fixated on it? Why can't we just move on? And treat people like, treat each other like uh, fellow human beings. Uh, that, that's the way I look at it. You know, I always talk about the, uh, the produce section rule. You know, if I'm at a grocery store and the produce section is kind of crowded or whatever, and two people are trying to get their carts in the same place at the same time, our paths cross or whatever, I always, 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 always defer to the lady, and it doesn't matter if she's white, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever. She always smiles, say thank you, whatever, because we're just two human beings. We don't act like each other are... Weird, unusual, because, oh, you look different than me. I mean, God made us all in his image, right? Amen, somebody. I said, God made us all in his image, right? So why do folk try to divide us? Because they're evil. That's why folk try to divide us on the basis of how much melanin God gave me in my skin and how much melanin God gave you in your skin because of evil. You know what I'm saying? So I'm reminded of the passage that the chaplain of the Pulaski County Republican Women's Club read the other day. She said, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil 
in the heavenly places. That's what's up. That's what's up. So critical race theory and all of the many different names they have out there for it that teach five- and six-year-old black children that they're oppressed and they're never going to make it, never going to get anywhere in life, and teach five- and six-year-old white children that they're bad because of what happened with slavery 160 years ago. That's evil. Child abuse is evil. Now, I'm running for governor, state of Arkansas. And if y'all Arkansans elect me, I'm going to make sure that we don't have that in our schools in Arkansas. Because some of our schools do. I'll never forget when somebody leaked uh, me a Zoom call from the Little Rock School District. A Zoom call they did with the uh, social justice warriors that they were uh, paying a lot of money to. And they said, you're not down with uh, Black Lives Matter. Then, this is like late summer of uh, 2020, you probably shouldn't even be thinking about coming back to work. You know what I'm saying? If you're not down with Black Lives Matter, you probably shouldn't even be thinking about coming back to work. That's what they told them. If you're not down with the transgender thing, probably shouldn't even be thinking about coming back to work. Know what I'm saying? Now, there is a hero in our country named Christopher F. Rufo. R-U-F-O. And he is the guy who made it his single-handed commitment to expose the critical race theory deal, all right? So he's out there on Twitter last night saying, you know, the left says critical race theory isn't in K-12 through schools, right? But also, also, the left did this. A public school in San Antonio, Texas, segregated fifth grade students by hair color. Fifth grade now. Subjected them to harassment and abuse and showed them graphic photos of murdered black children all as part of a twisted anti-racism lesson. So here's the story. As NBC San Antonio first reported, teachers at Leon Springs Elementary School separated students into oppressor and oppressed categories based on their hair color. Teachers told the dark-haired kids they were privileged and told the fair-haired kids they were not as intelligent. Then, the teachers gave the fair-haired students a game with pieces missing so they could not play, suggesting that they deserved to be mistreated. After the game was over, the teachers forced the fair-haired children to clean up after the so-called privileged children. As part of this lesson, the teachers also, also showed clips from the Spike Lee documentary entitled Four Little Girls, about the Alabama church bombings back in the 1960s, which included graphic autopsy photos of the dead children, which is completely inappropriate to show to a group of 10-year-old children. The intention of the lesson was to expose so-called inequity and make the fifth-grade children feel the pain of segregation. But the exercise went haywire. Students began crying and told their parents that the teachers were segregating and psychologically abusing them, which is exactly what the teachers were doing. 
Families were furious with the school district. After the backlash, district administrators said that they, quote, recognize the parents' concerns and agree that the activity and video are not age-appropriate and will not be used again, unquote. Yeah, but I bet they're not going to fire any teachers, are they? Not if you got a teacher's union. No, they're not going to fire any teachers. So Christopher Rufo links to the article from News 4 San Antonio and then says, sadly, this kind of practice is becoming more common in American public schools and links to his own essay from earlier this year about segregation in the name of social justice. So let me, let me see what uh, News 4 San Antonio says here. See if they add anything that he didn't uh, have in his thread of tweets. The news station in San Antonio says, the parents we spoke to say they want their children to learn about racism and civil rights but feel that Northside Independent School District went too far with the segregation experiment by making children watch a documentary that they now admit was not age-appropriate. Mike and Brandy Leninger say their 10-year-old daughter was confused and hurt by a classroom experiment in January at Leon Springs Elementary. Students were separated according to hair color, with one group receiving preferential treatment. Brandy Leninger says all the dark-haired kids, the brown and black-haired kids, were treated as the privileged ones, and the blonde-haired and the red-headed kids were the ones treated not so nicely. The Leninger say teachers told students children in the fair-haired group were not as intelligent. The group was purposely given a game with pieces missing so they couldn't play. Later, they were made to clean up after the other children. Brandy Leninger said she was hurt. Her friends, and she named to the principal and to district officials names of her friends that were crying. Fifth graders were also shown a Spike Lee documentary, Four Little Girls, about the 1963 bombing of an Alabama church. The film includes graphic autopsy photos of the girls' bodies. Teacher says... She fast-forwarded past those parts, but the literature say the children in their daughter's class did see the photos. Okay, so the teachers are trying to minimize the damage by lying about what they did to the children. Lying. Mike Leninger said the things that she said that the, she skipped over, my daughter was able to describe to us to a T. So that night our daughter was unable to go to sleep in her, in her own room. She was so scared. Okay. Northside Independent School District declined News 4 San Antonio's request for an interview, but said in a statement, quote, The activity and video in question were part of a larger fifth-grade project-based lesson around the inequality, pardon me, around the inequity of segregation, while the campus did receive positive feedback from several parents, lie, District and campus administration recognizes the parents' concerns and agree that the activity and video are not age-appropriate and will not be used again, unquote. Okay, now, but you've already done it. So how are you going to take that out of these 10-year-olds' heads? Well, you're not. You don't care. The lineagers say the main issue for them is transparency. The other issue is the Teachers in the administration are trying to cover their rear ends on this. Brandy Leninger said they send us notes and newsletters about everything else. Your child is going to see the Polar Express. It's pajama day on Friday before winter break. We get no notice that they're going to do a social experiment on segregation. Pajama day. Ten-year-old boys and girls going to school in pajamas? I think it's kind of freaky. News 4 spoke to another Leon Springs parent who confirmed the Leninger's story but did not want to be identified. The couple says they contacted us because Northside officials have refused to notify parents about the experiment, and some may still be unaware that it took place. The segregation experiment... A Leon Springs Elementary appears to have been patterned 
after a famous exercise devised by a teacher named Jane Elliott back in the 1970s. Elliott has since become an internationally known diversity trainer and lecturer. According to her website, Elliott's original exercise labeled students as inferior or superior based solely on the color of their eyes and exposed them to the experience of being a minority. Over the years, other teachers have copied the experiment, sometimes using hair color as the distinguishing factor. It's evil. It's evil. Well, well, I'm scrolling down and I run into another article. New state law in Texas throws child welfare system a curveball as home removals plummet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we're going to have to look at that. We're going to have to look at that. Um, but first, let me just share with you this little blog post from Christopher Rufo earlier this year called The Ghost of Jim Crow. He says, images from the Jim Crow era in America are seared into the minds of those who lived through it and of anyone pardon me and of anyone who attended an American history class after the victory of the Civil Rights Movement, side-by-side drinking fountains with signs reading white and colored, parks and recreation facilities separated into racial enclaves, small-town main streets with whites-only theaters, restaurants, grocers, amenities. Fortunately, all that ended by the mid-1960s, or so we had thought, In recent years, segregation has been resurrected, but this time under the guise of racial equity. Not equality, but equity. As I report in late 2020, government agencies in Seattle, Washington, including the King County Library, King County Prosecutor's Office, and the Veterans Administration began segregating employees by race for diversity training programs so that whites could, quote, accept responsibility for their own racism, unquote, and minorities could be insulated from, quote, any potential harming that might arise from a cross-racial conversation, unquote. Whoa, 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 whoa. So now the libs in charge of uh, King County Library and Prosecutor's Office and Veterans Administration in Seattle are saying that people of color could be potentially harmed by having a conversation with white folks. Boy, talk about the bigotry of low, the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. Talk about paternalism. Talk about racism. Again, you're looking at it right there, right there. The white folks in charge of the government in Seattle are trying to pat black folks on the head and say, there, there, there. We'll take care of you. Don't worry. We'll keep the folks who look like us from discriminating against you as they discriminate against them. But I digress. Christopher Rufo continues. This year, the new segregation has extended itself into new domains. Public education and public health policy. In Denver, Centennial Elementary School launched a racially exclusive Families of Color Playground Night as part of its racial equity programming. In Chicago, Downers Grove South High School held a racially exclusive Students of Color field trip as part of its own equity initiatives. In the words of Denver public schools officials, the administrators implemented the segregated program to, quote, create a space of belonging, unquote, which they said without a hint of irony is, quote, about uniting us, not dividing us, unquote. They're talking about uniting us as they're dividing us. I guess George Orwell was a prophet, huh? The new segregation has also been implemented in public health care systems with state and federal agencies denying COVID vaccines and treatment to individuals based on race. 
This trend began last year when Vermont provided the vaccine to all members of racial minorities over age 16, but denied it for whites without specific age or health conditions. Later, New York State, Minnesota, Utah, and the federal government adopted health policies that explicitly discriminate against white folks, rationing COVID treatments based on race. After public outcry, Minnesota recently backtracked on this policy, and Utah announced it is reevaluating its policy. But both Utah's and New York's arrangements remain in place as of this writing. The most common justification for the new segregation is that racial minorities suffer disparities that must be rectified through positive discrimination, which is presented as a solution for America's historical racism. In practice, however, these policies often descend into illogic cruelty and malice. Minnesota's recently rescinded criteria, for example, would have prioritized COVID treatment for a healthy 18-year-old black female over a 64-year-old white male with hypertension who, given the totality of circumstances, faces a much greater risk of serious illness and death. The new politics of race supplants the old science of medicine with potentially catastrophic consequences for disfavored racial groups. Now, how is this kind of policy even possible? As legal scholars have made clear, all these programs are blatantly unconstitutional, They violate the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause and additionally the Civil Rights Act's prohibition against racial segregation. Nevertheless, the new segregation is slowly embedding itself in every domain of public policy. The gambit for the progressives who support it is to establish a new status quo, a so-called anti-racist discrimination, and to use their superior cultural powers to intimidate the majority into acquiescence. For now... They appear to be succeeding conservative groups such as the Southeastern Legal Foundation and Parents Defending Education have challenged the new segregation on legal grounds, but those cases will take years to wind their way through the federal courts. In the meantime, progressives are likely to solidify their position and continue to normalize the policy of so-called segregation for social justice. If they succeed, they will send the country backward, reviving old antagonisms and hollowing out the Constitution's civil rights protections. Voters of all persuasions should be appalled by this development and work to subvert it. There is no doubt a strong majority of Americans who oppose state-mandated racial discrimination Unless they speak out publicly against it, however, the new segregation will continue to spread through our institutions, threatening the foundations of civil rights law and fundamental principles of American society and government. That's Christopher F. Rufo, writer, filmmaker, and senior fellow of the Manhattan Institute, article in City Journal from January 19th this year, called The Ghost of Jim Crow. The Ghost of of Jim Crow. So, um, somebody on the uh, the Podbean app says, I had to be educated about racism when I was a kid because I saw it in my own family. And I've never understood how people could be towards different colors of skin. Makes no sense. No logic there, and I need logic. She says, and seeing it in my father who preached a message contradictory from the pulpit was a total shock to my system. Another person here says, link to the movie about school indoctrination, whosechildrenarethey.com. I saw that movie last night, and it was a real eye-opener. Whosechildrenarethey.com. It's about the fact that in most of our public school education these days, it's not like it was years ago, and um, they're trying to indoctrinate our children in all kinds of horrible worldviews. Okay, one more here from the Podbean app. It says, Now I am a southern girl, but spent the majority in states north of the Bible Belt. So when my dad retired U.S. Air Force and we moved to Arkansas, I had another rude awakening to how widespread the prejudices or racism were. Widespread to me, 
was hearing people use racial slurs just anywhere without reservation. I still see it some, but not as bad as it was back then. She says, I'm against critical race theory. I agree with the statement that racism has been resurrected. Indeed, it has. The Democrat Party was always a party of racism. The party of the Klan and Jim Crow always was. And, you know, some folks say, well, after the Civil Rights Bills passed in the mid-60s, Democrats and Republicans traded places. A friend of mine, who is a retired colonel, also a pastor of a church, Iverson Jackson, who happens to be black, he says, now, does that make any sense? The Republicans would say the Democrats, now we got the Civil Rights legislation passed that we have been trying to get passed for all these years. Now, why don't we trade places? You guys can stop being the racists, and we'll start being the racists. Does that make any sense at all? Uh, uh, no, sir. No, sir, it doesn't make any sense at all, no, sir. It's stupid. Amazing what people fall for these days, isn't it? Amazing what people fall for. All right, let me just say this about that. We are, well, not about that at all, actually. We're so thankful to have advertisers that support the Doc Washburn Show. And the views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect reflect those of our advertisers. But they love us and we love them. So let me just say this. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for close to you. Now, people I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. You click that button. It guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. So all you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental United States, redriveryourway.com. Man, they gave me a great deal on a 2013 Honda Accord with only 85,000 miles on it. 15,000? That's a great deal. RedRiverYourWay.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, now, government's too powerful. Keep on telling you all that. Government's too powerful. Like when they rammed Obamacare down our throats. Are you like most Americans that Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answered yes to any of those questions, the website you need to go to, call MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, beautiful, bold letters, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button, schedule call now. You click that button. You book a free consultation. Well, my friend Art Wilborn, and he will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Also make sure your personalized health coverage doesn't force you to cover horrible things like abortion that would violate your deeply held beliefs like some of those Obamacare plans do. 
Again, the website, myfamilyhealthplan.com. Affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. You click on that big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn. He'll make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. You will be glad you did. All right, I want to, um, I stumbled on something here from uh, Oh, one more comment on the uh, Podbean app. A lady said, I learned about the demented Democrats' racist history from you, Doc. I've learned so much from you since I started paying attention only a year or so before your divine move to Arkansas. Forever grateful. Well, I am grateful, too, that God opened the door for me to come to Little Rock, Arkansas, back almost eight years ago. My first day on the air at News Talk. I'm sorry, I'm saying that wrong. I get confused between my stations. My first day on the air at uh, News Radio 1029 KRN was July 7th, 2014. So coming up on the eighth anniversary of that, that was the longest job I ever had in my life. Seven years and three months, more than twice as long as anywhere I'd ever spent before. Until the tragically hip. Terminally woke, CEO and board of directors said, "At eh, you don't get the clot shot, you don't get the jab, then we're going to fire you. I'm like, okay. So you wouldn't want to be you. Anyway, let me go back to this article I stumbled onto a few minutes earlier over News 4 San Antonio. Big. NBC affiliate TV news operation in San Antonio. It's called New State Law Throws Child Welfare System a Curveball as Home Removals Plummet. Really? Well, I got to tell you, I want to look at this because there have been too many home removals in Arkansas of children from parents who love them, haven't done anything wrong, and aren't even charged with a crime. Now, one of our two child welfare agencies in the state is called Crimes Against Children Division of the Arkansas State Police. So why should you be able to take children away from parents if you're not even charge them with a crime? Anyway, here's what News 4 San Antonio says. Number of children being removed from homes across Texas has plummeted, but not because abuse and neglect have gone awry. Uh, not because uh, abuse and neglect have gone away. The troubleshooters, that seems to be the name of a segment on their evening news show. The troubleshooters found out it's because a new state law has thrown the system a curveball. 45th District Judge. 45th District Court Judge Mary Lou Alvarez says, I can't stray from the letter of the law. She says stripping parents of constitutional rights and removing children from homes weigh heavily on her and fellow judges. She explained trying to do what is in the best interest of the children. Oh, that's not actually a sentence, is it? Anyway. Their decisions are now guided by a new state law House Bill 567, which went into effect last September, it deals only with neglect, not abuse. And when children are removed from neglectful homes, the standard has now changed from substantial risk to immediate danger. Judge Alvarez says substantial risk would be something that could happen or could likely happen in a week, in a day, in a month. You've got some space with substantial risk. When you then apply immediate danger, the space becomes more narrow. The two words are causing a ripple effect through the entire Texas child welfare system with fewer cases being put in front of judges. Angela White, who runs CASA's office in San Antonio, says what CASA is seeing statewide is something like a 
50 to 75% drop in children being removed. Now, they expect you to know what CASA is. They assume you know what CASA is. But they don't tell you what it is. Court-appointed special advocates. All right? All right. So now you know. So, Angela White, who runs CASA's office in San Antonio, says she fears children are being left in homes they shouldn't be left in. I wonder if she's ever feel, feared that sometimes kids are taken out of homes they shouldn't be taken out of. She says CASA advocates are stepping up and into those cases when requested by the judges. The troubleshooters of News 4 San Antonio turned to the man who wrote the law, State Representative James Frank, Republican of Wichita Falls, who experienced the system firsthand when he fostered and adopted two of his sons. State Representative James Frank says, I think sometimes we pretend that when we remove the child from a home that we've removed any risk, and yet we're putting them into a foster system that by definition has risk. The vast majority, 75% of child removals, are because of neglect. He says much of his law tightens the definition, giving this real-world example. Quote, Literally, where a parent gets caught smoking pot, which is not good, but a child being removed because a parent was caught smoking pot shouldn't be a reason for removal. We're only talking about the ones that are neglect. If somebody's getting abused, nothing in the law has changed. If somebody is confused about that, they're not reading the law. His goal is to weed out, no pun intended, low-level cases so caseworkers and attorneys can focus on actual abuse. State Senator Jose Menendez, Democrat San Antonio, voted for the law. With removals in Bear County down 55%, we asked him about the law's impact. Reporter Emily Blockham asked, was the law an overcorrection? State Senator Mendez answered, I think the law, the language, the way it's being read by the attorneys who are refusing to work up the cases, I think that's the problem. I know that one of the sticking points is they can't prove that it's immediate. You take that before a judge and let them make the interpretation. The law's language, by the way, can always be tweaked during next year's legislative session, but no one we spoke with wants to wait that long to do anything. So right now, lawmakers, lawyers, and caseworkers all over Texas are having tough conversations to make sure everyone understands it. Well, again, again, in general, you would think that a law that reduces the amount of state kidnappings of children from parents would be a good thing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'll tell you one thing. You elect me governor of Arkansas, y'all voters in Arkansas, I am really going to come down on our child welfare system because I've seen too many cases where they take children away from parents who love them and haven't done anything wrong to them. And they know they're taking children away from parents who love them and haven't done anything wrong to them, but they don't care. They don't care. That's got to stop. This is America. We have a Constitution. We've got Bill of Rights. It's got to stop. And it's been going on for so many years through the Hutchinson administration, through the Beebe administration, through the Huckabee administration. Yes, I said it. And you think if you elect Sarah Huckabee Sanders governor, she's going to do something to to change that, to protect children from the out-of-control child welfare system in Arkansas? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Like father, like daughter. Mike Huckabee didn't do anything to protect children from the child welfare system. When he was governor, why would we think Sarah's going to do anything about it? All right, now, let me get to this. Daily Caller, Dylan Houseman, healthcare reporter, has a new article out, just dropped last night. Here's why everyone is talking about biolabs in Ukraine. He says, Russia has asserted numerous justifications for its invasion of Ukraine, and one of them is finally gaining traction with some observers 
the allegation that the United States was developing bioweapons at labs in Ukraine to use against Moscow. It's true that there are bioresearch facilities in Ukraine, some of which are partnered with the Department of Defense. As Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, Victoria Newland admitted to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee last week, but there is no evidence that the labs were being used to develop biological weapons or that Russia was under such direct threat from them that they needed to invade Ukraine. Well, that's not why Russia invaded Ukraine. Anyway, Russian President Vladimir Putin used the Kremlin's media machine to try to justify his war in Ukraine in multiple ways. First, Moscow said they needed to protect ethnic Russians in the Donbass region who were facing a genocide from Kiev. They also claimed they needed to denazify Ukraine, a country led by a Jewish president and home to more than one million Holocaust victims. Wait, wait, wait. You're not going to talk about the fact that there is a neo-Nazi brigade which is operating freely freely and with impunity in, in Ukraine? Well, I guess, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong article then. I'm reading the wrong article. I mean... What the heck, buddy? I mean, I, I may as well go back to talking about fighting back against indoctrination of public schools if that's what you're going to give me. Seriously? Wow. So Daily Caller is all in. Is all in. Um. Once again, I want to say a, a word for some of our advertisers who make us able to do what we do here every day, like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Justin is a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations, and he's really helped me out. I was a two-automobile accident in 2019, and then another one, which I got rear-ended at full speed on Colonel Glenn Road in Arkansas, December 17th, 2021. I really appreciate all the help from the Justin Minton Law Firm. They have a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin meant to make sure the mental law firm always works hard for you. So whether you're in a car wreck or in the job or you're a loved one suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943. 4195, or visit com today. All right, now, that having been said, the best-kept secret in American health care. I would like to share it with you. Maybe it can help you. So let me ask you, do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain, back pain, vertigo, eczema, problems with your blood sugar? Okay, now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Whether you're seated or standing, whether you're with other people or by yourself, do you tilt your head one side or the other? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my neck pain, my migraines. I'll tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, your reproductive system, your digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, eczema, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation. 
to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you do, it'll be like night and day. Or if you're outside central Arkansas, but you're thinking, man, that's something that I need to look into. The website is turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you. You'll be glad you did. Okay. The great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness. Article she dropped last night called From 15 Days to Two Years. She said, on Saturday morning, my daughter in college texted me, quote, I got sent home two years ago today. Feels like a dream, unquote. After I responded, she sent an uncharacteristically brief reply, sad. Well, to say the least, in March 2020, once free citizens around the world surrendered their liberty and livelihoods in a futile attempt to stop a virus. The most technology, the most technologically advanced civilization in the history of mankind quickly adopted medieval fixes that bordered on quackery sold by snake oil salesmen in the credential class and news media codified through executive fiat by elected leaders of both parties. So we were told on March 16, 2020, just 15 days to slow the spread. Do your part to promote the common good, the historical rallying cry of every wannabe despot, or be branded a heartless heretic, and it worked far better than the original architects probably anticipated. She says, on the same day my daughter left her college dormitory in upstate New York, not to return to a normal campus life for two years, I posted this on Twitter, quote, This is what the left wants. They want people stripped of wealth, isolated and terrified. They want sources of joy, church, sporting events, vacations, large social gatherings, eliminated. This is how they get control, and it's far scarier than any virus, unquote. To say that was a very unpopular view of the time will be an understatement. But having covered the climate change movement for years... I recognize a familiar approach to the spread of COVID-19 hysteria. Use flawed data to whip up a public frenzy and shut down all debate and fealty to, quote, science, unquote. Any disagreement over the data, no matter how unreliable or untested the data happened to be, and in the early months, the only available data came from China, made you a so-called science denier, or worse. This time around, sadly, the hysteria wasn't pushed solely by lefty environmental activists, but also by President Donald Trump, Republican governors, and so-called conservative influencers throughout the media. Once that buy-in was made, all hope was lost. Trump's catastrophic decision to acquiesce to the demands of doctors Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks, the former charlatan, the latter a dunce, and shut down the country two years ago this week, was by far the worst moment in his presidency and rivals the worst moment in any presidency. As usual, however, Trump's first instinct, the one he suppressed to appease those demanding we honor the science, his first instinct was the right one. The cure should not be worse than the disease, he fretted. He knew it, but he listened to the cracks anyway. The cure, of course, got worse. Emboldened by their success in forcing Trump to authorize the first 15-day shutdown, the then-adored Fauci and Burks took it a step further. With two dubious projection models in hand, the pair went to the White House at the end of March 2020 and convinced Trump to extend the lockdowns another month. That decision, that, pardon me, that decision sealed his electoral fate. The booming economy he helped build entered a death spiral, which is why the left will try it again. Pandemic lockdowns produced all sorts of benefits for Democrats, including outcomes the environmental movement had been dreaming about for five decades. Fossil fuel use plummeted as airline and vehicle traffic screeched to a halt. Meat prices soared. Commercial buildings in large energy-consuming cities sat vacant. Lockdowns, one international energy group cheered, resulted and a new worldwide low of CO2 emissions in 2020. Quote, 
The decline in emissions is without precedent in human history. Broadly speaking, this is the equivalent of removing all of the European Union's emissions from the global total. Unquote. And just as those figures started to rebound, the Russia-Ukraine war presented an ideal an ideal opportunity to institute a soft form of lockdowns with gas prices rapidly rising to historical highs. Americans are voluntarily limiting their own energy use. The Biden regime fully admits the conflict will accelerate plans to move the country's energy independence from gas and oil to wind and solar, achieving Biden's pledge to cut carbon emissions in half by 2030. The Build Back Better plan, intended to reset U.S. priorities post-pandemic, devotes at least $550 billion for once-in-a-generation investments in clean energy and infrastructure that can help tackle the climate crisis. Aside from advancing long-time climate goals, the lockdowns contributed to an even bigger score for Biden and the Democrats in 2020, stealing the presidential election. In May 2020, the CDC issued guidance that gave a scientific imprimatur to Democrats' long-desired changes to voting laws, including lax use of absentee ballots. A record number of mail-in ballots, millions of which were unlawfully handled before Election Day, resulted in Trump's purported defeat, with heavy losses expected in December. Pardon me. With heavy losses expected coming up this November, Democrats will try election-related lockdowns again. The weeks leading up to Election Day happen to coincide with the annual flu season. So Democrats, including incumbent governors in tight races, will likely attempt the winning 2020 formula once more. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, the only leader to express regret for authorizing shutdowns in his state, under pressure at the time by the, uh, by the Trump White House, questioned whether the science will change because you have a midterm election coming up noting the Democrats didn't reverse their COVID panic until they saw dismal polling results. But will the public fall for it? Given what we've witnessed over the past two years, unfortunately, the answer might be yes. Millions of our countrymen have revealed themselves to be miserable sociopaths gratified by human suffering, especially that of children. These ghouls still rage at the sight of unmasked kindergartners and college football stadiums filled with joyous students. A healthy, or rather unhealthy, portion of the American public will gladly do this all over again. They now mourn the fact that life is slowly returning to normal, continuing to wear two-face masks in a sign of defiance and solidarity with their fellow nutcases. For its part, the Biden regime is keeping the reentry door to lockdowns open just enough to blow it wide open again months from now if necessary. The useless face mask mandate on airplanes and mass transit, for example, has been extended until at least April 18th. Pfizer just announced a fourth shot will be necessary for vaccinated people and an annual booster will be recommended for all Americans as we, quote, learn to live with it, unquote, according to CEO Albert Bula, a veterinarian by training, in a weekend interview this past weekend, the executive who delayed release of positive news about the vaccine until after the 2020 election also boasted about Big Pharma's newfound popularity. Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla told Margaret Brennan on CBS News Face the Nation on Sunday, quote, What we see now after we were able to step up and provide solutions, a significant uplift on the reputation of the industry. That's a fact. We can see it with polls, unquote. It's only a matter of time until these power-hungry frauds are back at the lockdown trough. Our children, on the other hand, will live with some form of post-traumatic stress. Mid-March will roll around every year, and they, like my daughters, will be reminded of all that was needlessly and irrevocably lost because the adults morally responsible for protecting, protecting them instead abandoned them. Despite how rich or popular the lockdowns made Albert Bourla, CEO of Pfizer, or how pleased millions of Americans were at the sight of mass misery, the reality is that lockdowns did immense damage across the globe that may never be fully calculated. The date of March 16, 2020, isn't just a day that will live in infamy. It marked the beginning of the largest crime against humanity since the last World War, 
and the perpetrators aren't finished yet. That is Julie Kelly, the great Julie Kelly over American Greatness, article entitled, From 15 Days to Two Years. Yeah, that's messed up. That's messed up. So, that having been said, you know, it seems like, it seems like it, it might be time. I'm finna say, yo, Brian, hit it, hit it, hit it. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Yo, 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 yo. Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day brought to you by Red River, your way, dot com. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. It believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. RedRiverYourWay.com brings you this tweet of the day from Orwell and Good. And they have a screenshot of a headline from the UK Daily Mail entitled, Father Who Beat to Death Man He Caught Raping His Five-Year-Old Daughter Will Not Face Charges Because of Texas State Laws on Deadly Force. All right, well, do the crime, got to do the time, and in this case, the time was being beat to death by the father of the five-year-old girl the guy was raping. God bless Texas. Don't mess with Texas. Again, Tweet of the Day brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. All right, that having been said, you've been listening to Episode 108 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th Floor, of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X. That's the way it is. Tuesday, March 15th, 2022.